What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome to the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre here, and we are less than a week away from the spring game. The next time we join you guys, it will be recapping the orange and blue game in the swamp. Today, we've got a scrimmage to recap, the second one of spring camp. We've got a quarterback battle to discuss, a new quarterback commit for the Gators, uh, and a lot of other things to get into on today's show. Nick, how are you it's doing, been, my friend? Been busy week. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a busy week. Might be a long show. Uh, doing well. Uh, staying up late with uh, with the baseball team. It's Masters week, a tradition unlike any other. So, mm. uh, loved loved watching that on Thursday. Uh, told Billy that his whole football schedule kind of messed up with my master schedule and to, and to get it right for next year <laughs> yeah i mean fortunately we're not having uh, a spring game during the masters remember the years that's we've had happened. that yeah yeah that's been that's been really inconsiderate i, I think our boy Edgar thompson <laughs> almost had a heart attack during that year um, shout out to edgar shout out to billy ho uh, we see if he can uh make some things happen during the masters so and shout out to the florida football team that was out there in the swamp on thursday uh, before that thrilling game between the Gators and uh, Volunteers in Knoxville, uh, Nick and I were out there to see what practice was like, meet with Billy afterwards, and then uh, work the phones and uh, put out uh, our Intel report at Gators Online. If you have not, make sure you go read everything that Nick put together. And, uh, and now we've had a chance to sleep on it, Nick, and uh, probably reread the reports and go through our texts and everything like that. Uh, now that you've had some time, uh, what are your takeaways from the second scrimmage? Yeah, I think um, I think my takeaways are that I think the defensive line specifically took advantage of some guys not playing. Um, yep, Kingsley Egwakin. Yes, been we learned that. that. Wrong. I've been saying that wrong for three years. All of us uh, have. We everyone's been saying Egwakin. It's not Egwakin. Egwakin. Mm. That's that's the worst. At least it wasn't him that that corrected us. It was it was somebody that works for UF. It was like, oh, it's Egwakin, and we're like, oh. Well, because Billy said he's it in a, a press conference a, a couple of weeks freshman. ago. He's not a sophomore. He's a red shirt junior, I think. He's yeah. been here a while. And we've yes. been mispronouncing his name. He's a multi-year he's a, starter. He's going into his third year starting. And he's like just like softly whispers to someone, hey, they're saying my name wrong. Well, Billy said it in a press conference a couple weeks ago, and I thought he mispronounced it. Well, it's yeah, I, you know what? I, I think Billy is pretty good at pronouncing his players' names, and we should probably just start following him. We should. We should. Um but you know Kingsley Egwakin uh, gets a day off, and 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 I keep mentioning, and Billy kind of even with his tone and his inflection emphasized um, how much deeper and better the defensive front is, and um, obviously with with Mike and Mazuka out, um, with Cam Waits out, with Farmer out, then you take Kingsley out. Those are all guys who could be starters, so you're missing a ton of starters, and I think. The defensive line, Tyreek Sapp, Cam Waits, uh, Princey Umamielin. Look at you. Pick, picking all the tough names today. Um, I think those guys really kind of wreaked havoc. I don't know that it was a great day for the offense. Um, outside of, you know, Graham Mertz threw a touchdown to Xavier Henderson. But I think Xavier Henderson was just on one yesterday, on <laughs> one on Thursday. Um, I think he had three touchdowns, um, had a great day. So, um, I, I think overall the defense probably wins the day creating turnovers and, and, and that probably starts up front where the offensive line was missing some people and, and the defensive line uh, was wreaking havoc. 
Yeah, it, it sounded like it was a, a good scrimmage pretty much for Jack Miller. And, um, you know, we'll get into the quarterback battle, but um, Billy had some great things to say about the way that he played and, and just the way that he's responded to the competition. Um, but obviously on the offensive side, you know, the strength of that unit is going to be those two running backs. Uh, even though that whole room has really done some great things in camp uh, along with Carol and Webb, but ETN and Montreal Johnson specifically had uh, two really good days in the second scrimmage. Um, one thing that we learned coming out of uh, out of that scrimmage was Nick. They they actually ran some wildcat, uh, and, and I know that that's something that uh, Billy's done in the past. But and I don't. I think we maybe have saw it in, in a couple times last season. But you know now, if you're trying to put the ball in the hands of your best players, um, you know that's a that's a great thing to do, and that's a great uh, formation that you can uh, utilize. So. I'm excited to maybe see that unveiled some more this year. And, you know, you want to put those guys, uh, you know, with the ball in their hands. We saw the video this week of uh, Trevor Etienne that made its way on Twitter. That dude looks like he's added a few miles per hour to his speed, Nick. And, uh, you know, you want those guys running the ball as much as possible. Yeah, last year, last year, Trell ran a couple Wildcats. But I'm thinking, like, ah, your quarterback can probably run as well as him and throws it a lot better, maybe do less of this. So this is something I think you do. And also shout out to uh, my Miami Dolphins for really bringing the Wildcat back to football uh, some years ago. Um, but I, I think if you don't have an Anthony Richardson, then yeah, I think you can see more Wildcat and, and start to see some more wrinkles. It, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. If you have a quarterback that runs like Anthony Richardson, why are you going to take him off the field or, or split him out wide to yeah. have a running back do that. Like he can do the job that the running back is doing right now. Um, and also has the threat of throwing it, which Montreal Johnson, maybe he does, but we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, when you, when, if you ever did split Anthony out wide, it's not like you couldn't throw him a pass. Um, <laughs> that dude could definitely go out for a route, but you know, you need a, a running back with an arm back there. So, yeah. um, but a really good day for Xavier Henderson. Like you mentioned, I think on the defensive side, you know, Jason Marshall had a pick. He's had a, a really strong spring and, and two other guys as well that have stood out this spring is Cam Jackson and Justice Boone. You mentioned the defensive line having another good day, uh, Nick. I think those two in particular, I mean, Boone's ascension has basically allowed Princely to move to edge. If Boone wasn't where he was at, uh, Princely's probably staying put. So, He's now kind of taken down, taken over that uh, defensive end spot, had a sack in the scrimmage, and Cam Jackson just continues to dominate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've we have heard his name uh, repeatedly throughout camp, and uh, I think right now you can almost um, you can almost sharpie him in as, as a starter. Yeah, I would say, I would say so. I'd, I'd be pretty, um, you know, in baseball they say when you're doing a scorebook you should use pencil not pen because things get changed, hits and errors get changed, and it's easier to erase pencil. Um, I would use a Sharpie. I think it's pretty safe to say that Cam Jackson has come in and was everything that was advertised. He was one of the premier interior defensive linemen in the transfer portal, um, and, and I think we're seeing why this spring. Um, and then the biggest thing, you know, I already mentioned a little bit, is just the depth, not having to ask him to play 70 snaps a game. You, you're going to be able to, to rotate guys in. I think that elevates everyone's play because you're not dog tired in the fourth in the fourth quarter because you've yep. played 47 snaps and now you know someone brings in a fresh running back and and 
uh, and you've got a tired defensive line. So to me, that's one of my biggest takeaways for the spring in general is just the the growth um, of that position in, in Banks as well. I think Banks is a guy who I thought was going to be a project and uh, maybe would need a you know a redshirt year and, and a year to develop and grow and get a little bit bigger. Um, he's someone who, whose name I keep hearing as well. So I think Florida's depth on the defensive line is going to be one of their strengths next season. I mean, I think there's a chance. We'll get into our depth chart projections, but I think there's a chance that those two could be your starting nose and defensive tackle, uh, Cam Jackson and Caleb Banks. I mean, they've been out there repping at times with the first-team defense, so that's certainly something to watch for. Um, and then just some, some, some more takeaways from the scrimmage. I think it's important to point out that the Gators got both Mitchells back. Uh, Miguel Mitchell and Taraja Mitchell, uh, both of whom have been out with in non-contact uh, jerseys. Uh, Taraja a little bit longer. Uh, he hasn't played since the seventh uh, practice and didn't play in the first scrimmage. I mean, he's missed over a week. So it was important to get him back despite his experience and, and probably his ability to pick up the defense pretty fast. You still need him out there playing with that unit full go with that unit and, and just kind of settling in at that inside linebacker spot where I think that he's going to start uh, with Shamar James. And then Miguel Mitchell, who is another projected starter at safety, and I think maybe right now the only guy that's a for sure to start at that position. Um, he got hurt, I think, in the last scrimmage, spent the past week sidelined in a non-contact jersey, and then Thursday was his first uh, day back. He had a, a pass breakup early on in the scrimmage, so – you know, Corey Raymond raved about him, Nick, and, um, you know, I, I think that it's good for the Gators to get him back. And then just overall for the defense, you know, they forced some turnovers in the in the first scrimmage. They did it once again on Thursday. Uh, Billy said that they created a lot of negative plays and tackles for loss. As you mentioned, Nick, uh, that defensive line took advantage of some starters being out uh, on the offensive front. And um, I think the, the biggest thing that, that probably from scrimmage one to scrimmage two, they needed to improve was the communication uh, because still it's, it is a lot of new pieces on defense. It's still a new coordinator, even though it's, it's, it's a lot of the same scheme. And that first scrimmage was their first time in a setting like that. So hmm. second time around, Billy felt like they communicated better as a defense. I, I'm sure that it helped to have Mitchell back, both Mitchells back out there because uh, those guys are responsible for that communication. Yeah, that's that's going to be huge. I think um, Mitchell came in and, and really filled that role, but then has been out for a lot of stuff. Um, I, I liked when we were out at practice before scrimmages and, and other practices, even when he was not in contact, he's kind of going through the drills off to the side on his own. Um, I think it's so important, you know, for all the new guys, you know, I, like everyone's talking about Graham Mertz, how much he's been in. Uh, the building. It's like, well, he has to. You're, you're playing catch up. He spent three years in Wisconsin learning and, and knowing a system, and now everything's different. So he has to do more. And I think Mitchell was doing more. I think Banks has done more. So you like to see that from those transfer guys. Um, but from a communication standpoint, that's the linebacker and the safety. And I think it's good that you're seeing some younger guys like um, Kamari and, and Miguel step up and be more vocal. I think Miguel's probably had a, a better spring at safety and um, it'll be interesting. That's a, a position uh, that I think Florida needs to, to go into the portal for when, when it opens here in uh, eight days. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a, a whole nother set of storylines to follow yeah. Nick. Um, 
But those are our takeaways from the second scrimmage. Make sure that you guys head over to Gators Online to read all of our coverage. Uh, we'll continue to churn out stories uh, from Billy's press conference. And then also, uh, as we inch closer to Thursday, start to preview the orange and blue game in the swamp. What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out RogueShop.com. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress, Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, candles, massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned company. They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. As we look at the takeaways from the scrimmage, uh, Nick, one is that this quarterback battle is not over. As a matter of fact, I think it's far from over based on the way that Billy commented about it. Uh, mm. You know, th- there was a lot of questions that he got asked about Graham Mertz and, and Jack Miller and the competition that they've been having. And it seems like um, based on the way things played out in the scrimmage and, and, and where this race stands, uh, this is going to continue into the summer, into fall camp, I would think. And, um, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know right now who I can say is going to win the job. You know what? It kind of it kind of reminded me of everyone when Billy first got here, all they're seeing is what you're doing in the, in the program. And, ter- and what I mean by that is with Mark hockey and, and program, how, and how are you? Yeah. Chad's a JD. Uh, what are you doing in the program? Are, are you, what, how are you attacking your lifting and your, and your training and all this stuff? Um, and Lorenzo Lingard was a guy that we, the, the coaches could not say his name enough, um, you know, in, in the spring and in, in pre-spring, um, and then he got enough carries that he decided to leave. Um, and, and I think what Graham Mertz did when he first got here was what he needed to do, you know, show up early, stay late, live, maybe bring an air mattress into the film room because you have so much to learn. And, and I just think that now that we're seeing him, I think Florida wanted Graham Mertz to start. You have a guy who started 32 games at a major conference. They wanted him to come out and win the job. And he I think when you make that not, investment and to bring that guy in the quarterback room, he needs you need him to. He they, they wanted him to. Uh, we talked about hey, they sat him next to to Mitchell and uh and Aguak and Aguakin. That's right. Yeah, they sat him next to them and, and I think they wanted Graham Mertz to start. Um he just hasn't separated. And that's not on the coaching staff. That's that's just on Graham. You you haven't won the job yet. And I mean Billy was point blank period asked. Is there a separation? He says he doesn't think so. Obviously, not going. He said, and then he says, not going to talk about that publicly either. Um, but then, do you want to come out of spring with one? Nah, not necessarily, because I don't think we're going to. We're not. Florida's not going to have nope. a starting quarterback named this time next week. This quarterback battle. Um, credit to credit to Jack Miller. You know, he's not. Yeah. Uh, he's not si- sitting down, rolling over, and playing dead. <laughs> Jack Miller d- d- doesn't want to sit either. And this is a quarterback battle. That I think that we- we'll probably be writing about up until the first person takes a snap against Utah. I agree. I agree. And and, and to be fair, 
after the spring game last year, Anthony Richardson was never named the starter, but that was just because he didn't need to be said. Um, yeah, what's understood doesn't need to be said. It doesn't need to be explained at all. Um, I, I think that what if Billy, what Billy, Billy wouldn't wouldn't even have answered that. Zach, you'd been like, "Hey, is Anthony the starting quarterback?" He's like, "Did you miss the Did you miss the game? Did you miss the spring game?" <laughs> yeah, um, you know that's when all the top ten projections uh, started coming out. So, um, you know, I, I think though that if a guy next Thursday has a Anthony like Richardson uh, performance. And, and maybe there's even that much of a discrepancy between one guy's play and the other. I don't think that will win them the job, right? Like if Miller just outperforms Mertz in the spring game or, or vice versa, I don't think that alone will then have them come out of camp and say, yep, yeah, he won it with the way that he played in the spring game. Like it's, it's the totality of it. And based on the totality so far, not one guy has done enough to then just get that nod with the spring game on top of it. And you mentioned, you know, Graham hasn't been able to, to you know, um, kind of get a stranglehold on this job and just take it. And I think that's some of that is certainly on him being a new guy, uh, maybe, you know, not progressing to the point that he would want or the coaches were want. But some of that also has to do with Jack now. I, I think that we got to yeah. give some credit to Jack Miller um, you know, Billy said that this guy's made drastic improvement from where he was, um, you know, last year. And, and certainly, you know, from Billy's standpoint, he he didn't get to see him play uh, basically the entire regular season. He was out. So uh, this spring is really the, the first time that he's got to see him healthy again, uh, you know, for an extended period of time, just kind of going through practice. And, uh, you know, he's been impressed, as I said earlier in the show, with how he responded to this competition Look, I mean, this dude for the last two years sat behind C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. and Anthony Richardson. Uh, that's tough sledding right there. Um, you know, <laughs> hey, and, and, should, should have transferred somewhere else, man. I you mean, were trying to get God. away from Stroud, and, and you and you found someone who's going to go right after him in the draft, right? Or or before him. I mean, I <laughs> mean, but those could be the Either or way, yeah. those could be the first two guys off the board, and those are the two guys that you played behind. So. Um, I don't, you know, you. It, it says something. I I don't think that you can maybe uh, look down on Jack as as a for the fact that he's been a backup right. because of that. But having said that, he still went through it for two years, and then he finally, you know, both of these guys are kind of out of the picture for him, and it's his time. And then they add Graham Mertz, and they add a guy that's got so much starting experience over him, and now he's once again kind of uh, you know got his work cut out for him, and. You know, credit to Max. He didn't. Uh, he didn't pout. He, you know, he he didn't go hit the portal again. He attacked the offseason, I think, with the right way. And and I think when we met with him, Nick, I, I felt like just his demeanor and his confidence was in a much better place than it was when we met with him the first time last spring. He was shell shocked the first. The first yeah, time he was. Um, He's and, not shell shocked in this competition with Graham Mertz. No, no way. No. So, so some of what's being lost is in in and I get the cycle um, from the fan base. Initially, I think people were mad about Mertz, and then Andy Jean said he's the best quarterback I ever played with, and then there was like this crazy hype behind him. Um, and and I get why if he hasn't taken the job, why people are are mad or down or disappointed because what you've seen from Jack Miller isn't great, but Jack Miller didn't have full feeling in his right throwing thumb in a game that clearly Florida's players 
didn't care to be playing. So you're throwing Jack Miller out for a game where the entire team played poorly. Throwing him to um, the wolves, as Billy said. And and I think what we're losing here is that this isn't Graham Mertz not being great. I think we're I think we're losing that Jack Miller might be playing well. That Jack Miller might be pushing Graham Mertz, and, and that what the one game you saw from from Miller wasn't a representation of the player that he is. I think that was a bad game for him. I don't think, I don't know that Jack Miller is going to be, you know, your first team, all sec quarterback next year, but I don't think he's what you saw in the Las Vegas bowl. So while we say that Graham Mertz hasn't won it, I think we need to give Jack Miller credit for Graham Mertz, not having won it because he's been pushing. um, and, And as you said, and as Billy said, he's been getting better. And, and just to uh, reiterate uh, Napier's comments after the scrimmage on Thursday, basically asked about naming a starter and if anybody's distanced themselves, he said, I don't know, or I don't necessarily know that we're ready to define that in public. And then he was also asked about uh, if he would like to have a starting quarterback to find at some point in the offseason so that the team can rally around somebody. And he just – Totally dismissed that, uh, said that, that, hey, they're rallying around both guys. Both of them have been effective uh, for this offense. But here was where I I really, if you're reading into his comments, it it shows you, like you said, Nick, that this thing could go all the way into the first snap in Salt Lake City. Um, Billy said, we've got a long ways to go before we play and a lot of reps. Training camp is essentially two spring practices. Uh, We're going to have 18 OTAs this summer. A lot of throwing, a lot of catching, a lot of meetings, a lot of competition left here. So, uh, I mean, if he's talking about 18 OTAs, um, there's still, I think, a lot that he's looking to evaluate between these two. Yeah, I don't know that uh, he should be talking about OTAs. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that's a story for a different day and for a toothless NCAA. Um, I think they're, you're going to get a quarterback battle, like I said, it, deep into the summer um, and, and creeping into the fall. I think the leaves are going to be start, you know, start changing up North uh, and, and Florida might still be looking for a quarterback. And um, we'll get into uh, the, a little bit more of the quarterback situation. Uh, I think a little bit later, but uh, a position where also if somebody, if a dude shows up in the portal that, that, that sends you that, you know, Hey, you up text, <laughs> you, you're like, you're responding to that. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see what the response is in, in the spring game, and, and, and we'll obviously get a good feel for maybe where this depth chart is at, although I think Nick and I have a good sense for it after all yeah. the practices that we've watched. Um, Nick put out his first uh, depth chart projection for the offensive side on Thursday. Uh, the defensive side will be coming out on Friday, so make mm-hmm. sure that you guys go check that at, at Gators Online. Um, but Nick, I mean, let's – Let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, you know, how, how do we see this? I mean, obviously, I think for the spring game, and this is a depth chart projection for the spring game, folks. We're not yeah. projecting for fall. Um, but obviously, for the spring game with the quarterbacks, you're just going to have, uh, you know, those two guys splitting, uh, you know, but one guy with one team, one guy with the other team. But who's going to get that shot with the first team, you think, Nick? Yeah. Um, in the scrimmage yesterday, or scrimmage on Thursday, Graham, Graham Mertz took – the first snap with the ones um, and then Jack Miller also led the ones, but later on in the scrimmage, I think you're going to see that in the spring game 
as well. But Graham Mertz has been um, the guy who, you know, takes that first snap with, with the first team. Um, I think Max Brown has gotten a lot better. Um, Max Brown was someone who, if I'm being like blunt, honest, last year when I saw him um, playing, I was like, I don't know that this kid ever plays at Florida. Um, he's gotten so much better at the quarterback position. Um, his throwing motion, I think, has improved. I, I like how the ball comes out of his hand. Um, he's just behind the other two guys. Um, and, and I know I can see it happening now. Like Graham Mertz gets picked off uh, in the spring game. Jack Miller has like maybe a, a slow series. And then Max Brown leading the threes just runs down the field. And, and then, you know, Max Mania begins. Um, next Thursday, um, listen, he can win the job. Um, he's not winning the job through what 13 spring camp or spring practices already. Yeah. I mean, it, it would, it would take max just continuing to ascend and just yeah. catch fire in the off season. And then Graham, not progress Jack, not make a jump. And those guys just not you know, get a stranglehold of that job. But I, mm-hmm. I, I don't foresee that happening. I do want to see, though, uh, you know, poor Jack. <laughs> you know, last year in the spring game, he was just with the with the second-team offense against the starting defense the entire game. <laughs> he, he, he never split with Anthony and then got to go with Anthony's team yeah. and run that offense. So, I, you know, I don't think that that's going to happen for him again, even if he does start the game with the – second team offense against the starting defense. I think at some point they should uh, switch and that will be really interesting to see. Uh, I think at the running back spot, it would be great to have, and I'm sure this is how they'll do it. Montreal and Trevor on separate teams and then Cam Carroll and Trayon Webb, uh, you know, paired with each of those guys. So um, I think we know what to expect uh, from those running backs. And and a lot of those guys are going to get some opportunities. I'm really excited to see Carroll and Webb. I mean, we've, we know what ETN and, and, and uh, Montreal can do. Um, and then at the tight end spot, Nick, uh, this is a, kind of a coming out party for Arliss Boardingham and uh, Hayden Hansen. Yeah, I, I think – so obviously you lose Keon Zipper for the whole year. Um, Dante Zanders has an AC joint sprain. Also a guy that feels like he's been on campus for a decade. So, like, you, you know who he is. You know what he can do. He played so much last year. He doesn't need to play in the spring. Don't need you to, you know, play and have an AC joint sprain turn into, like, a, a full rotator cuff tear. Um, don't need to play. You have a bunch of other guys um, that you need to see. Uh, and, and then also Jonathan Odom has been out. So, you can look at that and say, oh, well, Arliss Boardingham's just, I guess, the fourth string that's getting a shot. Now, I don't think that's the case. I think Arliss Boardingham, from what I've seen and from what we've heard, Zach, is, was going to be a guy that was going to get some playing time this year anyway. And mm-hmm. what he's doing with this opportunity, um, I think he might be a, a game one starter, even if Odom and and um, uh, Sanders are back. I keep almost saying his, his former last name. I Lang. I need to get laying out of my head. Even if Dante Sanders and Jonathan Omer are back, I think Arliss Boardingham's guy who's going to get a lot of burn this year. Um, and, and I like Hayden Hansen a lot. I think Hansen has the size. Um, he certainly looks, you know, he yeah. has NFL tight end size. Um, can still fill out a little bit more, but in terms of height um, and length, um, he has it. Uh, so those two, I, like I, I look at those two and, and you might have some young, you know, learning lessons, some rough patches. 
I look at those two and I'm like, if they can just figure it out, that's a that's a really good one too um, at tight end for Florida. I give credit to Keon for helping me forget Dante's former last name because yeah. being able to say Zipperer and Xanders is just it just rolls off the tongue. Okay, it's a, it's a great tight end combo. Yeah. So the Z, um, Z's. Yeah, I, I like the Z's. Um, We'll see what the uh, combinations will be along the offensive line, Nick. Right now, just right off of your head, what does a starting first-team offensive line look like left to right, and what does the second-team offensive line look like left to right? For, in the for the spring game? Spring game. Because, I, you know, for the spring game, I think it, it looks different. Uh, starting left to right for the spring game, Austin Barber, Najee Harris, I think. I have Christian Williams listed, but I think Najee Harris can be that guy. So we'll do Barber, Harris, uh, Aguakin, Leonard, and Keontae Goodwin would be my okay. starting five left to right. I think the I think the backups uh, that you're looking at, Jordan Herman has definitely established himself as the backup left tackle. Um, like he's we like said, Trent, we, he's also like Trent Brown big. I, mean, yes. I, walked, by, I walked by him yesterday and just like, you kind of look up. Yeah, um, it will be interesting though. Is is Williams or Harris with the first team at left yeah. guard and at center? I mean, we mentioned it. Do they give Slaughter a shot with the starting offensive line? Um, and, and does Iguakin, uh run with the with the second team? That'll be something to watch. I think Leonard uh, obviously will will be one of the starters. So Riley Simmons should be the backup uh, right guard, and then I think another is it. Goodwin with the starting offensive line at right tackle. Is it George with the starting offensive line at, at uh, right tackle? That's something uh, interesting to watch in the spring game. However, and we won't see this in the spring game because I think Goodwin and George will be on different teams. But Darnell Stapleton kind of mentioned this during his availability, but don't rule out. Especially if Mazuka is not ready, folks. Don't rule out Richie Leonard maybe moving over to left guard, and then Damian George sliding inside to right guard. Yeah, and Goodwin at tackle, so that you can get your best five on the field. Um, is that a combination that they might like more than playing Christian Williams or true freshman Najee Harris as your starting left guard once we get to the season against Utah? Um, I think that that is something that is definitely a possibility and could be in the works. We won't see it on Thursday, I don't think, though. Yeah. Um, or, who, or who knows? Maybe could, they you could, you could see George it. You could see it. I think, you know, last year we saw um, it, it looked like it looked like someone with a New York studio apartment. They had, you know, the, the, the outside closet. They just had like a row of extra jerseys and some guys were – Hey, need you to put this on and go in with this other team. I think you could see that. I think they will be on different teams to start, uh, but you could see like, hey, we need you to put an orange jersey on because we want to see you, you know, see you with this other unit. Um, that that's a really massive wall of of humanity on the right side. If you put Damian George, George and, and Keontae oh Goodwin on the right side, um, listen, print the t-shirts. If that's if that's your right side, run right. <laughs> that's print the shirts run right that's like 780 pounds of human uh at right guard and right tackle if that's it so 
from uh, from SEC programs too. It's not like you just yeah. running these guys out of high school. Oh man, um, that's that's gonna that be, is that's gonna be you, you have to get you have to get your best five. Um, and and everything we've heard, I mean, I think Jake Slaughter, and and I wrote that in there. I think Jake Slaughter is. I mean, he's just kind of been at Florida, just kind of existing at Florida and, and developing. Um, I think not only has he been pushing Kingsley for a job, um, but has positioned himself to get playing time yeah. in, in the fall. I mean, he could potentially play a guard, too. He's another yeah. option that they have there. Um, and then at the receiver spot, before we move over to our depth chart projections um, for the defensive side, Obviously, we know uh, Xavier Henderson and Ricky Pierce all have kind of established themselves at receiver. A guy that you projected, Nick, and I think is um, uh, maybe wasn't where things were at last year is is uh, potentially Caleb Douglas, uh, kind of now earning a starting role. Remember, he was kind of behind Jaquavion Frazier's yeah. last year. Frazier's got hurt, and Douglas got to play, uh, but Frazier's has been hurt throughout the spring, really. I think Nick and. Um, Douglas has taken advantage. I think he's going to have a chance to uh, uh, run with the starters on Thursday. I, I, I think so as well. Khalil Jackson's a guy who's had a great camp, um, and and I and I've, I mean I've I've been you know shaking my pom poms for Andy Jean um, all spring. So <laughs> I, I think I think you know Andy Jean's a freshman that can get some playing time. He doesn't show up here because um, I think I've seen him running with with the threes mostly, but um, he's sharp. Um, he's a technician. He's got really good hands. Um, I, I think Florida is going to be good. I, I, you know, last year at this time, Zach, I was telling you this is the worst court, the worst wide receiver room I've, I've seen in, in a decade of covering the team. Um, I, I like it much more uh, this year. And one of the guys on the screen is uh, a big part of that. Ricky Pearsall uh, didn't know what he was, uh, but I think Ricky Pearsall, in talking to him, I think it was a really tough decision. I think for most of of the offseason he was planning on leaving and, and whatever changed whatever made him come back he has this this man on a mission look in his eyes like maybe it was something a scout told him or maybe it was getting his NFL paperwork back and and you read something and you're like that's how they view me as a player all right bet I'll, I'll show you that's the kind of attitude um I get when I talk to Ricky Pearsall and and, and when I see how he's going about this spring. Cause like I've been here, like a, a guy like Ricky Pearsall. Um, I watched Dominic easily kind of just chill his last year in the spring. And, and, and you can let older players do that. Listen, you know what you're doing. We don't need you to get hurt. We need you in the fall. Just chill, just go out and relax. <laughs> and, and, and Dominic easily was like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to hold my helmet and talk trash to, to people while, while they're playing. It's hot out here. Anyway, Ricky Pearsall is out there grinding competing like he he's he, he's out to change some people's minds uh i don't know who because i think everyone here in gainesville and florida fans love him and think that that he's a great player but yeah he has an attitude that he's trying to change minds this year and then ty jockeyow bowman look at you you are on a roll nick they're having a day it's a great day to have a day zach i mean You've gotten to the end of the week. It's Friday. You're feeling mm. good. You're just letting those names roll. Yeah. Well, it helps that Florida gave me a, uh, a pronunciation guy with the players saying it. Yeah, that that, that does help. Uh, well, we're going to get into some names on the defensive side as we uh, give you our projections for how we see things playing out with that unit and who we expect to line up with the starters, who we expect to line up with the second team. 
Uh, Nick, I think my starting defensive line right now. Ooh, man. I, I mean, I think it's going to be uh, Boone. I think it's going to be Jackson. Um, I think it could be Banks. Um, and then I think Uman Milan on the other side. Um, I think that's your. I think that's your starting four, um, and and that is subject to change because I think Tyreek Sapp is a guy who can work his way in there. Um, I think it, like I expect to see Sapp because it looks like he's been repping at 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 N a little bit more um, in spring. So I mean, is he could he line up potentially with the with the uh, second team defense at N? Does he play at inside a tackle because you still got Chris McClellan? who I think will be with the second-team unit. you got Desmond Watson, who will be with the second-team unit. Those two guys inside um, seemingly make more sense than Sapp, but he's obviously played there too. Um, so we'll, well see. With, and then with, with Princely sliding over from, from end to, to Jack Edge, um, I think that makes Boone uh, your starter, Sapp your backup at end. But Sapp, had, I think, has that position versatility where he can go – inside and if sure. you're looking at defense tackle i think um you're good there you know but it's it's also i mean will norman is is third team probably not happy about being third team um but he's had a great spring and i think that just goes to show you how many we gotta put a counter on this how many times when i talk about the defensive line's depth but will norman not being in a too deep shows you um how much florida has reshaped that that room uh and where they are yeah and I think, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of the freshmen uh, playing in that game on the defensive front. Uh, uh, Collins, I think, will be playing at a defensive yeah. end. James, um, TJ Searcy at, at the edge spot, although I think Antoine Powell will be kind of starting with that second-team unit. Um, and then at linebacker, Nick, you know, getting Taraja Mitchell back is huge. I think that uh, probably he and Shamar James are your starting uh, inside linebackers with that first team defense, and mm -hmm. then on the other side, uh, you know, you're you're probably going with uh, Scooby Williams and uh, Manny Nunnery. I think uh, either Manny Nunnery or um, or uh, Jaden Robinson has been getting a lot of oh, okay. playing time too. But I I think it'll probably I would based on the way that Jay Bateman talked about Manny Nunnery this week, um, I think that he's probably in line to start an inside line or uh, be a backup inside linebacker behind those guys. Yeah, I, I think I think Mitchell and James are your starters. Um, I think Mitchell has been so good and in more so in the way that he's been a leader and, and and how he's been vocal because they have kind of been protecting him because he is a guy that's had some injuries um, and uh, taking advantage of another guy with an injury. Uh, I think Derek Wingo is going to have some ground to make up. Wingo. But from everything I had heard, they were ready for him to be the starting middle linebacker. Obviously, yeah. he had to have foot and shoulder surgery, so he's been out for the spring. And all of a sudden, you get this six-year, <laughs> you know, Big Ten transfer coming in, and Captain. now you're now you're out here fighting for your life, fighting for your job. Um, so I think Derek Wingo is going to have some ground to make up um, to to I guess unseat Trahaja Mitchell. Um, but Shamar James has been great. And, and I love the quote that you had in your story from Jay Bateman. It's like, yeah, Shamar's being more vocal. Uh, he doesn't have a choice. <laughs> Ventro doesn't, he doesn't play here anymore. He doesn't have a choice. You cannot, you can't play with your mouthpiece in anymore. You need to have that in your hand because you're going to be communicating. 
uh, to the rest of the defense. And, and, you know, writing that story, Nick, and going through your, your defensive grades from pro football focus, I didn't realize that Shamar James graded out as the Gators' best tackler among uh, Florida's linebackers last mm-hmm. season. So he's got a chance to really make a jump in his sophomore season uh, after making four starts last year. So um, excited to see what he can do in his first spring game with the Gators. And then um, to wrap up the uh, depth chart on the defensive side, we get to the secondary. We know um, Jason Marshall is basically locked down that one of those corner spots um, in the scrimmage, Nick. Looked like Kimber was the guy that that earned the the starting reps. Um, it will be interesting to see if Moore is ba- able to play in the spring game, or if he's you know maybe limited, um, and where he lines up. And, and also, I'm very curious to see is does Hill is he, is Jaden Hill the starting nickel? Is Jaden Hill the second team cornerback? Like like where does he line up? Because he's been all over the place. Um, I think that's something that we're going to find out in, in the spring game. Also, um, I think nickel might be a position that if you find a good one in the transfer portal that yep. uh, you, you go and look for. Florida, not to put anyone down, um, you haven't had a Chauncey Gardner since Chauncey Gardner. Like You haven't had somebody really excel at that position since Chauncey. And, and when Chauncey was moved there, like the NFL was still like changing a little bit. Um, it shouldn't be a hard sell to get somebody to move. Everyone wants to be that lockdown Revis Island, um, you know, hmm. outside cornerback. Guys are making a lot of money playing inside. It's a very different position, nickel, than, than outside corner. But guys are getting paid. So it's not hard. It's hard to find someone who's really good mm-hmm. and has that, um, you know, physical skill set to, to excel there. But you're not at least you're not battling the well, we have to move you inside. Why? Because I'm not good enough to play this. Like, no, no, no. It's it's a whole position that's getting paid tens of millions of dollars in the league. So um it shouldn't be a hard sell to, to anyone if you can find a guy that can play that well. I don't know that that's Jaden Hill. Um, right now, I think Perkins is the guy that's gonna start there. He I mean he needs he needs he needs to he how many how, how much eligibility does he have left? <laughs> Like he, he's a he's a you know um a guy that is now or never kind of in, in my it eyes is absolutely and, uh, and he's a, he's a senior nick well how many covid years does he have left four <laughs> uh this is his time he's he's gotten a start before at yep. um he's gotten a start before and i i will say that i i think that you know uh, the guy that they lost jordan young he was another guy that that probably could have been in the mix to start there I would, um, I would have liked to see more Jordan, and you as well. We both would have liked to see more Jordan Young. Um, friend of the show, former <laughs> former guest. Uh, would have right. liked to see more Jordan Young. Um, in He's that starting for Cincinnati right year. now and wearing number one. So, mm, Dude. Yeah, if you get that number one jersey, you're a dude. Um, I think they're still looking for maybe their dude at safety. Maybe he's there. Um but you know, I think Mitchell is definitely going to be one of those dudes. He has been out. Um, but you know, Kamari Wilson, Kamari Wilson, is he going to be able to get to a point as a sophomore where he's ready to lock down that starting job um, through this spring, through the off season, or uh, will the Gators, yeah. as they've been in the market and, and Billy's been open about, go out there and be able to add an experienced player that can push him for that job? Um, 
because I, I don't think that while Kamari is, uh, you know, got a lot of talent and, and came in as a highly heralded recruit, um, he's still, you know, still learning at that safety spot and, and, and still progressing there. So he he's not by any means locked it down, um, you know, based on my understanding. So I think that's part of the reason why they're going to go out there and see see what they have now. And I don't want to just single out Kamari, even if he does get to the point where they feel comfortable starting him there full time. You still need more guys behind those two because because basically after that it is just true freshmen and a bunch of young guys. So and that's great for guys like Jordan Castell and uh, Rashad Torrance or excuse me, um, you know the other freshmen that they that they just brought in. But I mean, at the end of the day, you you don't want to have to have that be you know you don't want your backup safety to be a true freshman. Uh, you know whether that's Jordan Castell, whether that's Bryce Thornton, so. Um, I think that they're going to be in the market for an experienced safety in the portal that has had some years as a starter. To add to that, I think they're looking for somebody who can start on August 31st at safety. They're not looking for a depth piece of safety. They're looking for a guy that can play and start from game one. Yeah. So, that's going to be a priority for them in the portal uh, once once we get done uh, with spring. So uh, that's where things stand in terms of the depth charts that we expect to see the Gators roll out on uh, on April 13th. Nick, what are you going to be watching for in the spring game? What are maybe some some two or three things that you really want to see what this team has to offer? The punting, obviously. Oh, well, that's, mean, that goes without that's, saying. That goes without saying. Um I'm interested to see the quarterbacks. You know, this will be the first time, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, that you get, you know, the bullets flying. Obviously, the quarterbacks aren't going to be in, in uh, you know, in not, they'll be in non-contact jerseys. Um, but I want to see Graham Mertz in, in front of what I hope to, you know, be, let's call it 60,000 people on Thursday night. Um, I, I want to see Graham Mertz. I want to see Jack Miller. Um, I, I want to see what the outside receivers look like. And, you know, I've, I've been a little bit down on Xavier Henderson. I think he's a now or never kind of guy too. That might be a story that has to get written, Zach, these now or nevers. Um, he had a great, a great practice. Want to see what he looks like. Um, and I want to see the punt returners. I think um, it, it's punt return. Kick return was just bad all season. Got a little bit better, but just bad. Um, I, I think, think Henderson a- had like one return. Yeah. I like, I think, um, you know, punt return, hold on, I have this written down. I think punt return is a position where uh, I like Ricky Pearsall back there. I think when we talked to Ricky, he was he like, wants yeah, to do it. I want, yeah, I want to do that. Um, I, I, I don't like putting Trevor Etienne back on punt, maybe on kick. I, w- I would like him back on kick return. Oh, I think but, he will be their kick returner. But I, I think I've seen enough of Xavier Henderson back there. I think right now, on punt return, I've no, I've witnessed uh, Caleb Douglas, Xavier Henderson, Ricky Pearsall, and and Trevor Etienne. I think Marcus I, Burke might have went back there one time too. I've seen him there a little bit, but um, I'm interested in that. And you won't get a lot of you won't get a lot of special teams in the spring, but it was just such a such a bad performing unit last year. And I mean, we'd be on a podcast saying like, please, just stop returning the ball, just catch it fair catch it you're you're like so many times florida would try to bring a ball out and even if they got the ball to the 35 yard line holding block mm-hmm. in the back they just florida just shot themselves in the foot so much 
Um, and, and then obviously the spring game is about situations. Florida was dead last in red zone offense last year. Um, I asked Billy about that. And he thinks, ah, I, I didn't like his answer really. Cause you had a 250 pound running quarterback. You shouldn't be converting in the red and not converting touchdowns, just converting scores at a 75% clip. Um, you have that. Like, you, you, you can't be worse in red zone. So I want to see red zone. I want to see, um, who's on the kick return, well, punt return. And, and while we're on that note, Nick, I mean, they had a red zone interception in the scrimmage, so something sure to get did. better at. Check out the insider report. Zach, we, we've gotten too much from the insider report. <laughs> we have. <laughs> Megan's already given them your projected uh, offensive depth chart. <laughs> if, they're re if they're watching along, they saw the intel piece. Um, uh, one thing I want to watch for is the defense, man. Like I want to see Austin Armstrong out there, how he – calls things obviously they're going to be very vanilla um but just to get a feel for his style uh kind of see i mean i'll be on the field so i want to see him out there kind of uh you know working with the unit and and just what that scheme looks like i, I know it's going to be dumbed down but um they have to get better that unit has to improve and um he's got to put his stamp on it and i think he's already made an impact with his energy and and, and some of the different things that he's brought to the table. But at the end of the day, it's about the product that you put on the field. So um, mm. I want to see what the defense looks like and uh, some of those pieces that he's working with. What's his energy like? And, and is yeah. he, will he be down on the field? Will he be in the box? Yeah. I, I can't remember if we've talked to him about that. Um, we have not. Uh, but that'll be, that's something interesting. Maybe it might only be interesting to us, um, you know, who's, uh, I, I get like the random question from from the message board poster. And it's Tony like, hey, was in the box, down, right? Up? Um, I believe no, I think so. he was on the field. I'm gonna have to look that I up. Can't even I can't even remember. I know Mike P was up. I want to say that Patrick Tony may might need to camp out near the uh, home coach's uh, office uh, pregame as they you know get off the elevator and and, and go to the booth, but. That's something that's interesting. If and if Austin are if Corey Raymond is truly coaching the whole secondary, then it would make sense to have your defensive coordinator up in the box so he can see the whole field uh, better. And I if will. he's the one calling plays, I think it's easier to to see. It's much easier to see from the press box when you're, you know, uh, sitting on the fifty yard line and, and just calling plays down with the headset. We'll find out. Uh, but I, I want to say that looking at. <laughs> Looking at all these photos of Patrick Tony from last season, um, it seems that he was. Oh well, no, this one it looks like he's on the field. We'll have to find that out. That is that. I mean, hey, that's something to watch for in the spring game, folks. Because we'll, you know, whether or not Tony was in the box yeah. or was not, that doesn't necessarily mean that's how Austin's going to do it. So, sure. um, and then I think the final thing I want to see, um, obviously, the newcomers. Right, I want to see what the freshmen look like. I want to see what these 10 transfers look like. But um, one interesting uh, thing to, to look for, for me personally, is how many – and we'll, we'll get your over-under, Nick, for, from uh, getting an over-under from both of us. What do we think is the over-under for the number of transfers, not just from this past year, but total, that will be in Florida's starting 22 in the spring game, the, just with the first team? How many – do we expect the over under to be? You're going to have obviously your quarterback is going to be a transfer. <laughs> uh, I think Montrell 
will will probably be with the first team offense. So there's a starter. Um, Ricky Pearsall. After that, there's three. Um, I think along your offensive line, you're probably going at least one and um and Goodwin or George, maybe two. And then on the defensive side, I think we'll see Mitchell out there. Cam Jackson, Caleb Banks. What do you think, Nick? What's your over under? I think you gotta set the over under at eight and a half. Eight and a half. Okay. I think that what are you going? You going over or under? I'm gonna go under with eight. Ooh. Okay. I think but a- but also if if um oh I'm I mean, Mizuka wasn't hurt. If Mizuka wasn't hurt, he's starting, but he's not he's not there. But you also have um oh well cornerback. Shoot. Um you could have Jadarius Perkins. I might have set the number That's at nine right. and a half. That's Perkins right. could start. No, I think eight and a um, half's good. But no, because you also have Jalen Kimber transfer. Oh um, man. So I think the number has to be nine and a half. You could potentially have half um, of your starters. And maybe maybe we're making too big of a deal of this just because of how much movement there is across the country. And this well, might welcome not be. Welcome to the transfer portal. Yeah, era. welcome to the transfer portal. Where half of um, your starting 22 is transfers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wild. It's even more wild in basketball <laughs> where it might yeah. be four of your starting five were uh, playing somewhere else last year. But, yeah, I think we'll set the number at nine and a half. Um Hit the comments below. Let us know if you're taking the over or under on transfers. Um, I will go shoot. I just took the under at eight and a half, and I might take the over at nine and a half now. Oh man. Um, I'm gonna go over nine and a half. Over nine and a half. I'm gonna go under. I'll say nine. And we'll and we'll we'll have another uh, episode Friday to recap the spring game. We'll yeah. we'll see how we did. Yeah. Um but those are uh you know what to watch for. Uh, 7.30 in the Swamp. Uh, you guys, if you're if you're not going to make it to the game, uh, you will be able to, to tune in and, uh, and, and watch the game. Uh, it's going to be uh, televised. Streamed. By, or streamed, excuse me, on, uh, on SEC Network. And, um, but, look, encourage you guys to come out there. Admission's free. Gates open at 6 p.m. They're going to have a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, pregame for it. So, um not going to cut to your 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 Easter weekend or anything like that. So um, definitely looking forward to getting back out there. And it should be a huge recruiting weekend for the Gators as well. A ton of visitors expected to be in town. Uh, I'm not sure if this guy is on the list, but he will definitely be making his way to Gainesville in the future. And that is the latest quarterback commit for Florida, Austin Simmons, currently of the 2025 class, pulled the pledge this past week. Uh, top 100 signal caller. And um, I guess the new norm at Florida is to play quarterback in baseball, Nick. Yeah, listen, if you're not playing baseball, Billy Napier doesn't want you to play quarterback for his team. <laughs> um, maybe that's why Jaden Rashada uh, left. It, might, it was just a baseball thing. You got to, you know, they were talking about, wait, you don't play baseball? Sorry. Um, but yeah, you've got DJ Lagway, um, now Austin Simmons. It, it'll be interesting to see what Austin Simmons does. Um, already really, graduated a really smart kid i think he hasn't graduated like technically he has enough credits to graduate but you know hasn't walked or anything like that yet but i think read between the lines florida sends out florida has a 25 quarterback commit on tuesday um then 
there's some rumors that he might reclassify to 23 and enroll this summer. And then Florida offers a very good quarterback who was on campus yesterday um, in the 25 class. So if you're reading between the lines, wouldn't it make much sense to get a the number six overall quarterback for the 25 class commit on Tuesday and then offer another 25 quarterback on Thursday. Um, so do with that what you will. We're not reporting <laughs> anything, just just uh, airing the facts. And we were asked uh, during our, our, our weekly Q&A that we do at Gators Online, Nick, what we think about this. What are the pros and cons to him uh, not just reclassifying uh, up one year but two years and just completely skipping his – junior and senior seasons of high school and coming straight to Florida as a uh, two-year early enrollee and um, but giving them another scholarship quarterback and um, a guy that's going to be able to get here early and develop now I think from a number standpoint um, you know they they obviously want to sign a high school quarterback if they can every single cycle and bring right. bring one in that way they were not able to do that this past class they had one committed they had one uh in, in stokes and they had another one signed in rashada and both of those guys um did not make it to campus so you know th there is that gap now in your quarterback recruiting and yes you went out and added graham mertz but um they still only have three scholarship quarterbacks and um if austin can reclassify i mean he's not coming to be counted on to play whatsoever uh it will be a straight redshirt year for him uh but an opportunity for him to develop um give you another guy for practice um and, and reps and, and those type of things i don't think though if they do add him nick and he does reclassify and he gets here for 2023 i still would not rule out them going out in the portal and adding a fifth scholarship quarterback that is ready to play that is ready to challenge for a starting job um, as opposed to where Austin would be in his development. So, um, it, but it has made the, the, you know, quarterback room a little bit more interesting. And, and, you know, if he does reclassify to 23, would that affect DJ Lagway? I don't think so. Um, but, it, but it is now one thing's for sure, man, they, they know how to recruit quarterbacks because they've uh, they've just been killing it for the past year. And, and Rashada was, was, was clearly just a bump in the road. And that's, um, I'll get on the soapbox real quick. That is to me, um, huge for Billy Napier 2023 or 2022 bad season. Um, doesn't end well. Then you get this weird, messy off season, um, you know, into, into the signing class. I think the biggest indicator, the biggest indicator to me that Billy Napier has, potentially what it takes at Florida is the ability, whatever he's selling these quarterbacks, they're buying it up. You had three straight years you signed and or had commits that are elite nationally, elite quarterback commits. Jaden Rashada was an elite quarterback commit. It didn't work out, I think, to no fault of Billy Napier. Then you get DJ Lagway, who I think will be – if not the best quarterback in the in the in in his class, then uh, top three certainly uh, in the twenty four class. Then you go out and get one of the top 10 2025 quarterbacks. You're getting guys at a position that's premium that that will help build classes around them. 
Um, I think you, we, I think Florida fans need to be patient. I don't think Florida is going to be great record wise in 2023. I think you need to be patient because the work that you're getting at the quarterback position in the recruiting trail, I think will lead you to better recruiting classes was, which is what you need to build into a program that can contend for the sec East and contend for the sec. And then once you're doing that, then you're in a playoff contention playoff contender. So I think, Billy Napier asked for patience, you know, going on a, a year and a half ago. Uh, and, and it's tough to be patient when you're six and seven, Zach. I get that. But look at what's happening. I think DJ Lagway is out here. Put him on staff. Like the way he's recruiting, <laughs> put him on staff. Um, whatever, you're getting elite quarterbacks to commit to you. I think if they're buying into the program, that fans should buy into the vision that Billy Napier has. I'm off my yeah. soapbox. No, that, that was a great. You got off your chest. And, um, <laughs> Now we'll monitor what happens with Austin Simmons, but as Nick said, the fact that they have for another cycle in, in a row added a a top flight quarterback, uh, still in the midst of you know not things going great uh, in in terms of on the field in this past season, it, it's definitely an encouraging sign for the future. Another encouraging sign for the future is where the Gators stand with their recruiting budget. Now, if you saw the news come out this week uh, for the fiscal report uh, for, excuse me, the, the report for the fiscal year of 2022. Uh, and you saw the top 10 schools that spent the most on recruiting and where the Gators rank. Uh, if you saw that as a Gator fan, you might not be happy about that list, but it's okay. Uh, it, it's all right because uh, that is not representative of where the Gators currently are. Now I will say, as you look at this list right now, the Gators are 10th nationally. They spent $1.6 million on recruiting for the 2022 fiscal year. Uh, that was 10th nationally, uh, 5th in the SEC behind Georgia, um, Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Alabama. Now, a few things to unpack about this. First of all, that $1.6 million that Florida spent is a program record. That's the most that they've ever spent in a year on recruiting. I think the previous high before that was like 1.2. And um, before that, they were not even really getting into the, the, the around the $1 million range. So they got up to 1.6, but that is not where they are right now. Uh, the Gators are actually uh, spending in the $2 million range for football recruiting at this time. That, however, is not reflected in this uh, fiscal year for the latest report that came out because for 2022 that runs from July 2020 uh, uh, July 2021 to June 30th uh, 2022 so um, that fiscal year that is represented in this report that 1.6 million that is not the full scope of uh, Billy's first year on campus that's also the last half of Dan Mullen's recruiting and what was being sp spent for that class uh, as we know, Billy and this and this program and, and the administration, they've upped the ante in recruiting and football spending. Um, and that will be reflected in the 2023 report, which will run from July 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2023. So only a couple months left for that report, and it'll come out this time uh, a year from now. But uh, you look at where the Gators are at. So now they're at $2 million. 
Um, they were at 1.6 for the 2022 year. They're at 2 million now. They uh, upped it up about $700,000. That's a it was a 55% increase in the recruiting budget to get to that 2 million mark. Um, so the investment is there, folks. They are spending more, not just in recruiting, but just in their overall operating budget for football spending um, for the 2022-2023 budget. The Gators upped it $4.7 million to make it $90.2 million. That's how much they're spending on uh, football. And um, again, $2 million of that is going towards recruiting. Now, still... Even at that two million mark, that only ranks ninth in the country, and it still ranks uh, fifth in the SEC. So, while the Gators are, you know, in the ballpark, they're getting closer to some of the other elites. They're still not, you know, where Georgia is at in spending. But it is important to note out, and if you talk to anybody in the UAA, they will be quick to tell you this because uh, this, <laughs> this has been the case ever since Kirby Smart showed up in Athens and started spending millions more on recruiting. Um, Florida is quick to point out that one of the reasons why he has to spend so much is because he does not own his own planes. Um, Florida, Florida, spent, Florida, Florida's off the record being like, broke boys can't buy planes. <laughs> broke boys. I can't talk to broke boys. Uh, that's how they feel. Um, $4.5 was spent by Georgia in the 2022 fiscal year. But again, uh, I, I would say, you know, based on where things were in 2019, that probably more than a million of that, more than a million of that was spent on travel costs. Uh, if you look at where Georgia was in 2000 and in, in the 2019 fiscal year, UGA staff members traveled on some 140 charter flights that totaled $850,000 through Georgia Jet and Atlanta Air Charter. They also spent uh, more than $83,000 on helicopter usage. So that was back in 2019. They almost spent a million dollars on recruiting travel. I would think in 2022, Kirby Smart and his staff were probably spending upwards of a million. Uh, that is not a cost that the Florida Gators have. And, and, and by the way, that's a cost that a lot of schools have. Most schools don't own two private jets, one worth $3.3 million and another one worth $8.5 million. And most schools don't have an aviation department budget of $840,000. So that offsets a lot of recruiting costs for the Gators. Uh, if they were in Georgia's shoes and they were at that $2 million mark, they'd probably be spending over $3 million if they didn't have their two private jets. Now, is Georgia still spending more than Florida? Yes. Are they spending more than a million more than Florida? Yes. Um, but the discrepancy in why the Gators don't spend as much as maybe Texas or Alabama or some of these other schools in the mid, uh, you know, 2.5 range, um, the, the travel cost is why. And even though the UA will be quick to remind us every time we have to write about this, Nick, it's not like they're lying. I mean, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, it. Uh, it's it's not everyone has Coach Pira and a PJ. People, yeah, people just. It's hard, and and these come out every year, and I think we we do a version of this every year, Zach. Yes. Uh, the same explanation every Florida year. Florida owns people, their planes. <laughs> people don't care. People don't care. They see that number. They want 
They, people want Florida's number to flip. They want they want that number there at 10 to flip. Spend more. Spend everything. Uh, and then it'll be, you know, well, you spent $10 million and the class was only third. And if you're spending that much money, you're wasting the money. So just is the thing. You know what, Zach? We know what it is. We're in talking season. Yeah. <laughs> when we start when we start discussing, uh, you know, the recruiting expenses and and who owns a jet and who doesn't. Um, it's interesting. So Florida's original plan. I was just up at the Clay County Gator Club event uh, <clears throat> this week, and uh, the original plan was for uh, Billy and, and and his group to take a helicopter. Um, but then you have to, you know, it's it was an hour and twenty minute drive. Then you have to say, okay, well, it's a twenty minute drive from campus to the airport. Then you're in the on um, get get in the helicopter. That's thirty minutes, forty minutes, uh, and then you're thirty minutes from the airport to the place. And they were like, well, we can just drive. Like we're going to spend as much time, if not more to helicopter in, um, you know, you don't make the same appearance and, and, and save a little money in the budget as well. Um, but to me that, you know, if I have the option to take a helicopter, I'm taking it. Well, yeah, of course. And that's, I mean, obviously Kirby likes to flex with the, the helicopter rides. Mm -hmm. um, Billy's a little bit more classy in his private jet. Um, it's, it's, it's levels, Nick. Um, <laughs> But look, we say all that jokingly. Florida does need to get to the level of UGA recruiting. Um, does that mean that they probably still need to keep upping their budget? Yes, uh, but they are making the investment. They spent 1.6 this past fiscal year. That's more than they've ever spent on recruiting for the 23 fiscal year. They'll be at two million. Um, you know, it's better for your program to be in the you know top seven, eight in recruiting spending and own two planes and just to not even be in that ballpark. There's a lot of programs that can't say that. So. Um, and speaking of recruiting, Todd Golden and his staff have been doing a lot of that. And I think that as they've spent these past few weeks, Nick, uh, dealing with the portal, trying to assess their roster, I'm sure they've been knocking back, uh, vitamin energies as, uh, this segment is brought to you by vitamin energy, uh, which is on a mission to make the world a healthier and more productive place uh, by providing you guys with access to vitamins and energy for folks on the go. Uh, this is a, a drink that is going to boost your energy levels, your overall health. Uh, it's going to give you weight management and help you with your immune system. And, and, and best of all, there's no crash. Um, and, and, and you're able to do this and use it in a variety of, of ways. Uh, make sure that you Use the 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 Gators code uh, to get your to get your uh, buy one get one free and go to vitaminenergy.com to check out all their different products. Um, but uh, look, Nick, the way that uh, Todd Golden and his staff have had to stay up, I'm sure some late nights. Uh, they need all the all all that they can get uh, in terms of Me. Some, some natural caffeine. Me, um, I, I I had baseball. Uh, I was up in Clay County. I had baseball Tuesday, baseball Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We've got a scrimmage. I'm drinking my vitamin energy right now. Um, I, I need to stay up. We got to go write that defensive depth chart to get up today, Zach. Uh, this is stuff that I'm using on a daily basis uh, in my personal life. And uh, use you can try it. Use our code Gators Bogo uh, and uh, and save yourself some money and stay awake. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh. I know that uh, you know Ty Golden is trying to wake up some uh, some of the college basketball world with some of these transfers that they've been going after, and if the Gators can land them, uh, it's certainly going to help their chances for the 2023-2004 uh, campaign. Uh, some big news on the roster front this past week as 
Riley Kugel decides to return for his sophomore season. And, and the Gators and also that, add uh, EJ Jarvis. But, but but getting Riley back, I think, is the biggest thing. And I said it Oh yeah. as Florida was losing their NIT game or right after they lost their NIT game. I don't care who's in the portal. I don't care what star recruit you could get. Getting Riley Kugel back should be priority number one. That should be what Todd Golden and his staff are immediately turning their attention to. Um, and he comes out, and, and I think, you know, based on what I heard, um, the coaching staff hadn't even gotten a yes or no from Riley before he fired off his tweet. Um, so fist pumps, uh, I'm guessing, all around in, in the Todd Golden household and, and, and in the office. Um, getting him back, that's a player that you now build your roster around. And I think you're going to have guys in the transfer portal that saw what he did, especially towards the end of the season, say, I want to play with that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, all SEC freshmen, uh, the, the, his stretch there to end the season, 10 consecutive games scoring in double digits, the best that we've seen from a Florida freshman since Bradley Beal. And that stretch there was the reason that he was even in the conversation to turn pro. Um, he wasn't looking to enter the portal or anything like that. He was either come back to Florida or um, you know, test the NBA waters. And I think that he definitely could have uh, decided to go that route and been maybe a second-round pick or something like that. But he's got a chance to come back and have a full year of double-digit games and consecutive streaks like that to where he could play himself into being a high draft pick. And that's what Todd Golden expects from him. And this is you know, the second offseason in a row, Nick, where uh, Todd had to try and keep Florida's best player and he was able to do it. Uh, first Colin Castleton and now Riley Kugel. So um, that that's, was obviously very important. Then obviously getting EJ Jarvis, um, uh, the power forward transfer from Yale, came and took an official visit to um, to Gainesville, Nick. And he was a guy that, you know, had just named his top eight schools. And Florida, you know, according to Jamie Shaw and his reporting at On3, Florida had kind of been the school to watch out for. But he still had a, a lot of programs after him and, and had a lot of suitors. But he came down and took that official visit to Florida. Nick, you and I saw him at the at the practice that we came to, basically sitting there with Golden's whole staff and uh, kind of getting that red carpet treatment. He wraps up his visit, and then the next day decides to commit to Florida and just end his recruitment. So um, a really good addition uh, for the Gators from the transfer portal. Obviously um, lost some size from this past season. So, uh, you know, you, you, you get Jarvis and then, man, you got some size on campus, uh, this weekend, the Gators have two, uh, prospects that are in town for an official visit. Uh, the first one is a former Providence guard, uh, Jared Bynum. Um, he is in town as well as Nick. I don't know if my, uh, last name pronunciation is going to be as good as you today. Uh, but former Marshall center, uh, Mackay, Han Lockton, um, that was my best shot. Uh, the number 18 uh, player in this uh, cycle and um, just an absolute beast uh, of a center, seven foot one, 227 pounds. So he's certainly a guy that would, you know, if he decides to transfer to Florida, there's your replacement for Colin Castleton, um, you know, in terms of developing a guy for that role. So um, look, they still have, probably a handful of roster spots that they're looking to fill. And I, I think a lot of them are, are most likely to come from the portal. So those guys are going to stay busy, Nick, and uh, keep knocking back these vitamin energies. 
Yeah, it um, it it, it will be interesting. I, it's it's very intriguing to me <clears throat> how the transfer portal um it is in all sports, but basketball specifically is just a small roster, and you you were you see just brand new teams um, every year. And, and I think um, it, it'll be, it'll be something to follow what Todd Golden and his staff are able to get out of the portal this year. Um, obviously you had to go heavy on the portal last year, just with the timing um, of when you were hired. Um, but you, you've got some big holes to, to fill. And like I said before, I think now you're selling, look at Riley Kugel this is who we're building a roster around. And I think, you know, great players want to play with other great players. Absolutely. And uh, now with Kugel coming back and uh, the addition of Jarvis, the Gators are, they return now uh, five players from last season. Uh, five now with Kugel's decision. And then EJ Jarvis will uh, gives them a six man. And then they got a pair of uh, freshman uh, big men that are being added as well. So the Gators still have five scholarship spots available and uh, again, I think most of those will likely come from transfers. Maybe there's a, another guy from the 2024 class that they could potentially add on. But I think that they're looking to upgrade some of those roster spots and uh, their portal is the best way to do that. Nick, I know that um, Kevin O'Sullivan uh, got busy in the portal. It's mm -hmm. uh, certainly paying off for the Gators this season. And man, they've kept it rolling. An uh, awesome game on Thursday night in Knoxville. I was watching uh, twice, man. Vols had bases loaded, down 6-1, including in the ninth inning, and uh, can't make it happen. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Brandon Sprout. He, um, off a career worst, one in the third inning uh, with eight runs allowed last week. Uh, watched his, his ERA balloon, um, but comes out on the road. Um Really, really quality start. Doesn't get credit for a quality start because you have to go six. Um, but Sprout was fantastic. Uh, got, went five and two-thirds and had to come out with a cramp in his calf. Was furious. <laughs> um, I like the reaction. I like how you were competing. Um, but Sprout picked up his fifth win of the year. Um, he's 10-1 and one across his last 14 starts. Mm. Um, and has just one, uh, you know, that one loss last week um, at, at home. It previously, his last loss was to number one Tennessee um, in the 2022 season. So it's been 342 days between losses for Sprout. He was great. The bullpen was great. Uh, Phil Babner came in and, and did his thing. Yeah. Uh, and then Brandon Neely comes in and closes the game out. Florida pitchers struck out 18 Tennessee volunteers. Tennessee volunteered 18 strikeouts to the Gators on Thursday night. Um, and then the, the bats... This team just hits. Um, yeah, I'm running out of ways to say that, so we'll just keep it short. Florida can hit. Um, you, you get back-to-back uh, -back jacks by jo uh, by Josh Rivera and BT Riapel. A couple of Oppo tacos, Zach. It was Taco Night, Taco Thursday in Knoxville. Um, Florida wins the game six to one. They are seven and zero oh, uh, at home or uh, away from home this year. And now we're kind of watching, watching the clouds. Uh, the weather is supposed to be terrible in Knoxville. So we'll see if Florida can get the rest of this series in because the games, as you can see on screen right now, because the games are on television, TV doesn't like to change times. Um, and they have things slotted throughout the day. So uh, Friday's game is supposed to be an SC network at seven. Um, 
Don't know if that's going to happen. Weather, weather at seven doesn't look great. Uh, and, and the weather on Saturday is a little bit better, uh, but not great as well. So because the season, because the series started on a Thursday, they cannot play on Sunday. Florida has a charter plane. Uh, so they're not, you know, beholden to being at a gate for an American airlines flight on Saturday. So you could play potentially two games on Saturday and play late. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I'm on weather a lot. I'm on weather watch, uh, the rest of the weekend, uh, with this series, but this is going to go a long way for Florida. If you can get two wins here or even sweep Tennessee, um, I, I think I think it's it would be a big statement for the Gators. D1 Baseball just came out with their um, midseason field of 64 projection, and they had Florida as the number five national seed, which means they would host a regional and super regional. Um, but when I look at that, I, I see, well, Florida's the number three seed right now. Um and and or number three team in the country right now, and then five. So I think that that has Florida projected to lose a couple of series. So uh, I think a a big game right now or a big series right now would go a long way for Florida in in terms of the entire season. Yeah, Nick, they've been staying hot, and obviously a, a big matchup coming up this week with Florida State coming to town, and the Gators will be back home against Georgia. So make sure you guys stay locked to Gators Online for. All of Nick's baseball coverage, all of Corey's recruiting coverage, all of our coverage from spring camp. I uh, hope you guys are ready for the spring game coming up. Uh, when we join you guys next week, it will be to recap uh, that game in the swamp. So hope everybody enjoys that. We'll see you guys next week. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albaverde.